we excited to be here at church today? Are we excited to be here at youth group? Okay, hey, here's what's going to happen. We are starting a new series today. Everybody say today. We're starting a new series today, and this one's going to, I think this one's going to take us all the way to summer camp, because I'm going to split it up into three parts. It's going to be lit, okay? Um, and so we did the book of Genesis, so we took like probably 10 weeks on that, and the book of Genesis was awesome. It was a good series. Now we're in the book of Exodus, okay? Exodus is going to be fire. Uh, Exodus is a Greek word, uh, which is the title, the Greek word is the title of a, of a Hebrew book, um, but the Greek word Exodus uh, means uh, the road out, okay? But you know, I like to match everything from the Old Testament with the New Testament, the story of Jesus, because it all matches up and it's all cool. And if, uh, if you weren't here for our Genesis series and you want to go back to the, like, the week one, and we talked about science and everything and how it all makes sense, and it's really cool. Uh, <clears throat> but here's the thing. So the road out, Exodus means the road out. So I've changed it. The title of this series, because early Christians, uh, being a Christian in the early church, after Jesus died on the cross and went, and went back to heaven in the, in the book of Acts, it was called The Way. This is the way. Okay? Um, and so we're going to change it from the road out, the name of this series, so that we connect it all together. The name of this series is called The Way Out. Okay? The Way Out. And that's a new graphic for this whole thing. Kind of tight, yeah. Those are my hands. Um, no, come on. Come on, get out of here. Get out of here. Those are Cuba Gooding Jr.'s hands. Okay. So... Uh, we're starting this. This week, we are, uh, I'm going to get right into it. We are in uh, Exodus chapter 1 and 2. So here's the thing. If you got your Bibles, pull them out. If you got your phones, pull them out. If you don't have a Bible and you want a Bible, we've got plenty. So all you got to do is lift your hand up like this and be like, hey, I want a Bible. And guess what? If I bring you a Bible, you get to keep it for the rest of your life. And you get to uh, read it every day and do all the cool stuff. Okay? So, but don't feel pressure if you don't want a Bible. I don't have to give you one. It's fine. <clears throat> So we're in Exodus, which is the second book in the Bible. We're going to be in chapters 1 and 2 today, which is pretty cool. It's going to, it's going to merge from uh, the book of Genesis, and it's going to go into Exodus. So let's give some backstory on these two texts. They're Hebrew texts, uh, ancient Hebrew, the oldest uh, Hebrew text we have in the, in the Bible. And they were, they're thought to be written by this guy named Moses. Raise your hand if you ever heard about this dude named Moses, okay? So Moses is the one who's thought to put pen to paper with these things. Some of the, uh, the things of like Genesis, like Genesis 1, was probably an oral tradition, something that, that generations would say to each other. And so it's not that Moses came up with that, but he put it on paper. Does that make sense, everybody? Are we cool? So Moses wrote Genesis, uh, and Moses wrote Exodus. And if we could recap Genesis just quickly, Genesis is basically the story of a creator God who created uh, the heavens and the earth and everything on the earth, and he created humans. And then it's the story of the creation defying the creator over and over and over again. And we've got all these crazy stories of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. We've got Noah and the ark in the big flood. And then we have the Tower of Babel, which is just an odd story placed right in the middle of the book of Genesis. And then we have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And then we ended last, uh, two weeks ago, with the story of Joseph. Everybody say Joseph. Joseph. Okay. So now, if you remember, Joseph, uh, he was sold into slavery by his brothers, and then he is uh, in Egypt, and he, and he makes his way through out of prison to be the second in command of Egypt. Everybody with me? Everybody remember that we're here, okay? Then, 
in the book of Exodus, it starts off by saying Joseph died. Dang it. But the, it talks about the, the, it says these are the sons, the name of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, right? So it's Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, um, actually, I think it's Danny, uh, Nephtali, Gad, and Asher. Okay, and then uh, Joseph died in verse 6, and all his brothers and all that generation. But verse 7 says, But the sons of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly and multiplied and became exceedingly mighty, so that the land was filled with them. So this is why, if we remember, there's a big famine, and now uh, the Israelites are in Egypt, right? Because of who? Joseph. Okay. We there? We cool? Joseph. <clears throat> but And everything was cool because Pharaoh loved Joseph, right? But then Joseph dies. There's a new Pharaoh. Things get mixed up. So the new Pharaoh is looking at this whole thing, right? There's Egyptians. And this is cool. Uh, there, uh, some more backstory real quick for you nerds in the room. Uh, Noah, remember Noah? Noah had, uh, there was two of Noah's sons. Um, uh, one is the descendants uh, of Israel and one is the Egyptians, okay? So these are the two families together here, okay? So we have uh, the Israelites living amongst the Egyptians. And Pharaoh's like, man, there's too many of these fools. Pharaoh gets a little bit racist. Like, come on, man. Like, yeah, that ain't cool. He's a little bit racist. And uh, he says, uh, so he, he goes to drastic measures. He tells uh, these midwives, which are basically ones who would care for uh, care for. Um, a mother and while they're giving birth and all this kind of stuff. And so he tells these midwives, if you see uh, of any Israelites giving birth to a son, kill him. Well, that escalated kind of quickly, but all right. And so here's the thing. Here's another, here's another, uh, it's a temptation, right? And, and so these midwives have a choice to make. Do they, do they succumb to, uh, to Pharaoh and, and his leadership or do they do the right thing? And here's the cool thing. For it almost seems like the first time in the Bible because Genesis was filled with people doing the wrong thing, but there's faithfulness among it, and like Abraham and those uh, towards the end, and Joseph and all that. But here's the thing. The midwives, they chose not to do that because it says in verse 17, but the midwives feared God. And so it's cool. It's almost like, a, it's, it's almost like they're redeemed Eve figures, right? Because they said no to the snake. Right? At the very beginning, they said, yes, sure, and here they're saying no, okay? And so this whole thing happens. Pharaoh's mad. They lie to Pharaoh. They deceive Pharaoh. The, the deceiver is being deceived now. And there's, uh, it's kind of this cool flip, but then Pharaoh keeps pushing into this where uh, now he's asking that all of the uh, firstborn be thrown into the Nile River, right? And he's, he's just, he wants to murder all these uh, sons, right? Because if there's no sons, then the, the generations can't go on. Does that make sense? So, now we get to chapter 2. Everybody say chapter 2. This is where we're going to end up, and then I'm going to talk about some stuff, and it's going to be really cool, okay? So we're going to read some of chapter 2. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I'll try and read it so that it's not boring, uh, but it's a really cool story. Exodus is one of the dopest books in the Bible. It's got some crazy stories, some really cool miracles, really cool things, so I think you really will really be excited. And here's the thing. Genesis is kind of a bunch of stories mixed together. Exodus is one long story that's going to be really, really intense. Uh, and it would be a great movie. They did make a movie about it, but they kind of butchered it. So hopefully they do it again. All right. 
Now, a man from the house of Levi, everybody say Levi. A man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi, right? So this doesn't mean that they're siblings. This just means that they're from the same tribe, okay? Makes sense? The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was beautiful, like Mr. Vinny, if you guys know him, she hid him for three months. But when she uh, could hide him no longer, she got him in a wicker basket and covered it over with tar and pitch, and then she put the child into it and set it among the reeds of the bank of the Nile. And then his sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. Okay, pause. So Pharaoh wants to kill all these kids and put them in the Nile River, right? And so this mom has a baby boy, and she's scared for this baby boy's life. She hides him for three months. She can't hide him any longer. People are going to find out. So she has to make a decision. She puts her son in a basket and puts him in the river. It's, it's starting off quick, man. This story's going to get crazy. But she tell, but, but the sister, so this, this little baby is Moses. Spoiler. Uh, Moses' sister, Miriam, says, I'm going to follow along to make sure that he's okay. Right? And if you know, the Nile River is the biggest river in Africa. Like, there's some stuff in there. Right? Like hippos, alligators, all the scary things you can imagine. In, right? And little baby Moses is in this little basket, just send it down, white, white rod or rafting, having a good time. Can you imagine the pain that would have to take for a mother to come to that decision? I know none of you have kids, but some of you have little siblings. And can you imagine putting your little sibling in a basket and sending him down the river? Okay, you guys are, okay, we need to work on that. But for you big siblings that are good big siblings, uh, that would be devastating, right? And for me, I couldn't imagine doing that with Vince. There's no way. 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 Right? It's crazy. But I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. What happens is, is, is Moses then washes up kind of on the shore of, of, of Pharaoh's house. Right? And Pharaoh's daughter comes down and sees this, what, what, what's going on? So she, they open it up, it's a baby. The baby's crying. She's like, wow, it's a beautiful baby. And she realizes this is one of the, the Hebrews' babies. And then she finds, she has compassion towards this baby. And then Miriam, Moses' sister, who was just so happened to be there, was just like, oh, hey, how's it going? And Mir- Miriam comes up and says to Pharaoh's daughter, hey, well, you know, you said, like you said, it's a Hebrew's daughter. Why don't I take him to a Hebrew woman that can nurse him, and then when he's old enough, we'll bring him back to your house. She's like, that's a perfect plan. She's like, sweet. So Miriam takes Moses back to mom, <laughs> right? And she's like, mom, check this out. Good news, bad news, all right? Good news is he's alive. Good news is he can live with us for a little while. Bad news is technically he's Pharaoh's son now <laughs> or Pharaoh's daughter's son, okay? So we're going to have to give him back up. But this is how it happens. So he gets to live he gets to be raised by his own mother for a little bit, but then he gets sent back to Pharaoh's house to be uh, Pharaoh's daughter's son. Are we tracking? It's confusing, I know. <clears throat> so, the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son and she named him Moses and said, because I drew him out of the water. Okay? Now Moses is getting older. Remember, so Moses now is royalty. Moses lives in Pharaoh's house. Okay, we, 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 we track in. Moses is a Hebrew. 
who lives in Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh, if you don't know what a Pharaoh is, Pharaoh is like the king of Egypt, okay? So Moses is like the prince of Egypt. <laughs> if you've ever seen that movie. Okay. Now it came about in those days when Moses had grown up that he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors. What that means is he went out and looked at the slaves that were Israelites. And the Bible never says when he realized that he was Hebrew, but he did. Okay, so he's out there. The Israelites were slaves to the Egyptians. He goes out there and he sees it. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way. And he looked that way. And when he saw there was no one around, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. So this Egyptian is beating this Hebrew, and Moses is like, hey, this ain't right. And he looks around, nobody's looking, and he beats this dude to death and buries him in the sand. So, second part, we're getting crazy already. Here's some things that I want to tie back to the book of Genesis and tie forward or whatever. So, we can look at this, and for most of us, we're like, yeah, go Moses, dude. Like, that, that dude had it coming. But, Right? We also know that it's not okay to murder. So where, where does this mix in, right? It had good intentions. Moses had good intentions of saving someone, and then it turned into murder. But the one thing that was kind of redeemed, and it's like we're getting closer, is remember the story of Cain and Abel. And God says, Cain, where's your brother? And what does Cain say? Does anybody remember? He goes, am I my brother's keeper? Moses decided in this moment that he was his brother's keeper. That his, it says his brethren, right, his, his, his flesh and blood, not necessarily his brother, but, but someone from his tribe, right, a, a, someone who is an Israelite, was being beaten. And he decided in this moment, you know what, I am my brother's keeper. And he took action. And so we see Moses in this mixture of Abel and Cain. He killed someone, but he was trying to do what was right. And a lot of times we find ourselves there, too. We try to do what's right. We really, really try. We try to do what's right, and oftentimes we make a mess. <laughs> Anybody ever been there? Raise your hand if you've ever been there. You tried to do what's right, and you made a mess. Oh, shoot, what did I do? Right, and the next day, he went out, and, 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 and two Hebrews were fighting, and then he said, hey, why are you fighting each other? And they say, oh, yeah, lucky for you to say, you're the dude who killed someone and buried him in the sand. And he's like, oh, shoot. Like, people know. And so... Uh, carrying on with this like common theme with Cain and Abel, uh, you know, Cain was uh, exiled east of Eden. Moses, after he kills this, this guy and he thinks people are finding out, he leaves and he's exiled east of Egypt, right? And so he leaves. And he goes and he, and he goes far out and he, and he finds himself at this well and there's these, these, these uh, young women at this well and they're kind of getting harassed by these shepherds. And Moses stands up. And I don't know what he does. Maybe just like, you know, I don't know. What, or he said, hey, back off, guys. Golly. You know, I don't know what he did. But he kind of fought off these shepherds, and the daughters were so grateful. They took him back to their uh, father's house and said, you know, this man protected us and saved us. And, then, and so then Moses married one of the girls. Life is starting to turn around. It was kind of bad for a little while. Uh, but now it's good. Things are, things are heading in the right direction, right? And then it says at the end, and this is where I'm going to be done reading, and then we're going to talk about a few things. 
she gave birth to a son, and he named him Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. Moses doesn't feel like he belongs, right? Verse 23, now it came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died, and the sons of Israel sighed because of the bondage. And they cried out, and their cry for help because of their bondage rose up to God. And so God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God saw the sons of Israel, and God took notice of them. So God heard their prayers, God heard their cries. Okay, this is where we're going to end for today. Um, and I'm going to talk about, but this is where we're ending in the scripture, and then I'm going to talk about some stuff right now. Next week, we're going to talk about the burning bush. That's it's going to be really fun. So we have this story of there's, there's uh, Joseph had set this great stage up in Egypt, and then Joseph dies. Now they're in slavery. Things swapped like this. And then there's a young boy named Moses who finds his way into Pharaoh's house against his own will. Nobody wants to be removed from their parents. Nobody wants to be an orphan. Uh, nobody wants to be uh, against their own will adopted into Pharaoh's house, the very person who's oppressing your people, right? But then, and he's probably wondering as he's looking himself in the mirror, and, and you know, if, if you ever have looked at like ancient Egyptians, they wear all this makeup and they had all these gowns. And as Moses is putting these things on, he's probably thinking to himself, I don't look anything like these people. And, I, and I'm just like the people out there who are hurting, but I get to wear nice clothes and get to eat nice meals. Where do I fit in? Anybody ever felt like you just don't fit in, right? Where do I fit in in this whole thing? Where do I fit in in this world, right? I, want, I, I come to youth group, and I'm trying my best. And I want to be a good Christian, but also I go to school, and I don't feel like I fit in there. I don't feel like I fit in here. Where do I fit in, right? And, and so Moses is looking at this, and he's like, I, I, got, I got removed from my family, right? And yes, I'm alive, and that's great and all, but now I'm just like this outcast. I'm the black sheep of the family in this Egyptian home, and I'll never be in, worth anything except for just be able to eat at the table. And then he goes out, and I, I'm sure he has this, this thought process, man, I want to be worth something. And he sees a, a Hebrew getting beat up by an Egyptian. He goes, this is my moment where I'm going to make a difference. This is my moment where I'm going to be worth something. And like we all do, he goes with good intentions and then with a bad result. Oh, shoot, what did I do? And the Bible says that Pharaoh wanted to kill Moses after this. So Moses dips. I'm out. Everything I knew was, is gone now. Life is just tumbling down, right? But his integrity never stopped. He met those girls. <clears throat> he saved them. He used to marry one of the daughters. But Israel's still crying out. Israel's still weeping. In bondage. And Moses still can't figure out what's my purpose in this life. And if we're honest with ourselves, we've all asked ourselves that question. Why am I even here? Why did God put me on this earth? What's the point of me even being alive? And the thing is, Moses could have gave up. Moses could have been like in the wilderness. Been like, man, that was weird. <laughs> All those events, I got, I, got a, I got a bad hand. But, you know, it is what it is. All right? But we look at the very next chapter. When we come back next week, we look that God had a plan, right? So I want to talk about a few things. One, <clears throat> in this story, number one, our choices have consequences. 
Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> right? Our choices have consequences. So even with good intentions, Moses had good intentions. He was trying to save somebody from getting beaten and getting oppressed and being hurt. But then he made a choice, whether you think it's right or wrong, whether he thought it was right or wrong, he made a choice that had a consequence. And so this isn't even a, this isn't even a, a, a point for me to say, make the right choices, even though you should. This is a point for me to say, think about every choice that you make. Because here's the thing. I don't even want you to accept Jesus unless you know what that means. I don't want you to be a Christian. I don't want you to come to youth group unless you know what that's going to ask of you. Does that make sense? Because some people want all the, all, all the cool butterflies and feelings of, ooh, Jesus loves me, but they don't want any of the transformation. They don't want any of the, okay, well, change me from the inside out, right? How, how do I become a better person? How, 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 how am I going to look at myself from three years ago when I accepted Jesus to now and be like, man, I'm different? Does that make sense? Every choice that we make has a consequence, good and bad. Good and bad. I made a choice a while back to propose to Danielle. It's a good choice, really good choice. I also made a choice to uh, send it in the desert and with that beautiful wife that I married into a ditch. Bad, bad choice, bad choice. Every choice has the consequence. Does that make sense? And so whether we're going to make good choices or bad choices, we have to know sometimes even good choices, even holy and righteous choices come with suffering. It's not just bad choices that come with bad things or good choices that come with good things. Sometimes good choices come with, bad, with tough results. It's like, man, what, what happens if I make a decision to go all after God and to stop trying to just fit in at school? Stop trying to be the cool kid. Stop trying to do what everybody else is doing. And you'll find out that oftentimes you make a bigger difference. Your generation is... A couple things. One, your generation is incredibly anxious and incredibly depressed. We've, we've talked about that a lot. And your generation is incredibly confused. Um, but your generation, more than any that I've seen, is incredibly hungry for authenticity. They just want something to be real. And maybe this resonates with you guys. You're just like, you look at everybody's Instagram and everything's so fake and everything. Uh, social media and the TV and everything and like reality TV. There's no such thing as reality TV. It's all scripted. Nothing's fake. And everything that's put in front of us in our faces on screens, it's all fake. Everything's freaking fake. Your friends are fake. Everybody you know is fake. Your teacher acts like they care about you and you know they don't. And you're just desperate for authenticity. Can someone be real with me? <laughs> be real. Can, can, can someone... <laughs> Just be authentic with me. Can someone just tell it how it is? I've had, I know kids that, that like, I've met some, some students over, over the last couple of years that don't even come to this youth group that they know that I'm a pastor and they're living a life full of sin, but for some reason they just want to, they want to say what's up to me and say hi because I'm just real. Because I just tell them how it is. And I, I do love them. But also, like, I'm not going to compromise on who I am. But that's, that's, that's who we are. And so here's the thing. This is crazy. But if you would just dare to be real, if you would dare to be authentic at your school and say, like, I, I, actually, I'm not going to do that because 
I, I believe in Jesus, and my life has changed, man. It's just so good, I, and I can't hide it anymore. I can't lie to you, and I can't tell you, like, man, it's not good. Like, Jesus is real. Jesus is good to me. You're going to find that people at your school want that more than everything they're, they're trying right now. Can we be an authentic people? Stop playing the game of being one person at school and one person at youth group. Just be who you are, a child of God. Amen? Our choices have consequences. So we got to own up to those choices. Okay, and the next thing, that's number one, choices have consequences. Number two, are we going to be victims or are we going to be victors? Here's another thing about, and this isn't just your generation, this is society as a whole, boomers and all, right now. Everybody wants to point the finger at somebody else. Everybody wants to say, well, if they wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't be where I'm at. The crazy thing is, it, was, it happened at the very beginning. What happened when God showed up and said, what did you guys do? Adam goes, it was her. That woman you gave me, gave me the fruit. It's the very first thing. We point fingers. We, want, we don't want to take ownership of our own actions. But I just told you every action has a consequence. Own it. So are we victims or victors? Here's the thing. We, talk, we talked about Joseph. Joseph could have very well been like, man, my life sucks. There's nothing going for me. My siblings sold me into slavery. <laughs> I got framed for rape. I've been in prison 13 years. They forgot about me when I did the right thing. If there was anybody that had any right to be depressed, it was Joseph. And then we're mad that our crush didn't like our Instagram post. Right? It's like, what? Moses got put in the Nile River in a basket as a baby. His, his parents wanted him. And somehow he still ended up in somebody else's house. Being raised by someone who didn't really want him. And then he tries to do the right thing and tries to stand up and fight for something. And then he gets exiled and, and, and they're trying to kill him. He's like, what the? Is there anybody who had a right to be depressed? It was Moses. What the heck? But you know what? The difference between those stories and some of our stories is? They didn't point any fingers. Oh man, God, I've seen you get some other people through some crazier stuff. So God, I don't know what your plan is in this, but there's got to be one. <laughs> there's got to be one. Would you get me through this? Amen? The danger of today is that people want you to find reasons for while you're failing instead of seeing obstacles to overcome. Psychology 50 years ago used to be about helping you understand who you are as a whole person, body, mind, soul, and spirit. Psychology now has turned into how can I... Well, this is going to get controversial. <laughs> but it's true. It's turned into today, how can I give you the right medicine to recalibrate you? Which some... I'm not against, I'm not against medicine. Not everybody needs to be on meds, though. So I'm not against... 
that necessarily, but we are, we're, we're treating symptoms, not illnesses anymore. Does that make sense? It's like if I had a bacterial infection in my stomach and I couldn't hold anything down, and the doctor's like, well, we're just going to give you some pills that make you kind of constipated and you'll be all right. That doesn't fix the infection. That doesn't help me. Right? We're not, we're not, we're not treating things right anymore. But people want to tell you, like, oh, well, you're like that because, you know, you have this condition. You struggle with this. So it's just how life's going to be. No, it's not. It's like, oh, well, you're just going to struggle with anxiety for the rest of your life. It's just kind of a thing. We'll give you some meds. You'll get through it, whatever. No, but the Bible told me to not be anxious about anything. And I don't think God's a liar. I'm pretty sure he's not. I think I can get through this. Amen? Amen. Trials and tribulation is a part of the idea. It's a part of the deal. But so is peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen? Here's the thing that, uh, so I'm going down this road. Should I go down this road? Yeah, I should. Okay, not everything bad that happens to you is traumatic. Just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. Okay? Maybe at the deepest level, like, your body, like, experienced some sort of trauma. Like, the, the first time I got hit in the face of the basketball, sure, my body was like, traumatic, right? But that wasn't, it wasn't, like, deep-rooted trauma for the rest of my life. Someone hit me in the face of the basketball. Does that make sense? But, but, but society wants to tell you that. Oh, man, you got to dive deep into all that. We're just, because we're, <laughs> I'm getting canceled this week. We're soft. We just are. It's just like, can we toughen up a little bit? Can we be a tough people? Like, and, and it's not that like you just have to like suck it up and fight through things. I believe in therapy. I believe in all this stuff. I believe in getting help. But I also don't believe blaming everybody else for my problems. I just don't. I don't believe in blaming my parents for my problems. I've made some dumb mistakes. And nobody's parents are perfect. So if everyone's blaming their, their parents for all their problems, man, we're all screwed. It's just how it is. So how am I going to take the, the, the cards that life has given me? The Bible says that God turns all things for good for those who love him. So how am I going to walk through my life, even if it, I've gotten not a fair shake, even, you know, privilege or whatever, you, you name it, I don't care. Even if I've gotten, if I'm the lowest on the totem pole, I'm a minority, I, I'm an orphan, I'm a whatever. Even if I'm, where do I go from there? Because it doesn't help me at all to just know about all my problems. It doesn't help me. It won't help you. I love you to death, and so I'm going to love you enough to tell you that even if you've ended up here where you feel like Moses, I'm a foreigner in a foreign land, I'm an outcast, I'm a sojourner, where do you go from there? Where do you go? The only way you know to go is forward. i got to take a step towards Jesus. If you don't know where you fit in in this world, maybe have a Zoom call with the creator. <laughs> Yo, you did this. What's up? Why am I here? Amen? Are we overcomers or finger pointers? Are we a victim or a victor? Are we an excuse maker or an action taker? Right? And is it always like, well, yeah, I would have been. It's like, it's like the person you meet is like, man, I would have gone pro, but what happened was I broke my leg a couple years ago when I was a youth pastor. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. But... <laughs> We always meet those people like, if this would have happened, I would have been, been something. And you're like, cool, so you're nobody right now. How are you going to become someone now? 
right? If I sit down with one of you and you're like, Brett, man, I was so close to just making the right decision. Okay, cool, so you screwed up. So how are we going to make the right decision now? How are we going to make the right decision this time? What are we going to do? Amen? Ooh, some hard preaching today, but it's okay. Number three, God hears your prayers. Remember at the end, it said the children of Israel are crying out, and, the, and their cries and their weeps made it up to, up to God. And, and so the good news is that God hears your prayers. But guess what? At this point, Moses is at least 20 years old, probably more like 30. And I don't know about you, but it kind of makes sense that there's a Hebrew boy that ended up on the shore of Pharaoh's house, grew up in Pharaoh's house, got exiled, and then somehow there's going to be, God's going to call. God's, God's looking for one person that could walk into Pharaoh's house and have a conversation with Pharaoh that's a Hebrew. I wonder who that person would be. Probably that little kid that washed up on shore of Pharaoh's house. So here's the crazy thing. Check this out. God hears your prayers. God, the Bible says right here that God heard the prayers of Israel. But Moses is already about 30 years old. What does that mean? That means that God hears your prayers, yes, and he's already been working on it for 30 years. He does hear you, but he's way ahead of you. And if you don't recognize that, you'll miss it. God, I just, I just feel like you don't hear me. I just feel like you're not, you're not listening. I need you right now. And he goes, would you look around you? And see the people I've been putting in your life for the last 10 years. And notice that this prayer that you just prayed, I've already been answering it. Right? If God can't get way ahead of me, then he's not God. So, here's the response I want for tonight. And everybody could close your eyes so nobody gets embarrassed or whatever. Close your eyes and don't, don't look around. Just me and you. I'll be the only one looking, but would you raise your hand if you feel like you haven't gotten a fair shake at this life? You just feel like, man, I just, I'm kind of down and out, <laughs> and I don't know where I fit in on this whole thing. So anybody that's raising their hand, here's the thing I want to say to you. God's hearing your prayers, and he's already been working on them for years now. He loves you. He does. And he's got a plan. Moses thought he was the biggest outcast that ever lived. He didn't fit in with the Egyptians. He didn't fit in with the Israelites. And then he led the nation of Israel out of bondage. So the question I have for everybody, whether you raise your hand or not, is what do I do now? You ask yourself that question. What do I do now? Maybe I started off, my family's great, I've had a good, I've had a good go at it, and, and everything's cool. Or maybe you're the kid whose family isn't great, things are rough, I don't even like going home. But we all have the same question to answer. And the question is, what do I do now? And does my plan, does the things that I'm doing next, does it glorify God? And is it his will? Is it my plan or is it his plan? If it's his plan, we got to do it. Amen? The, oppor the opportunities are there. Let's seize the day. So let me pray for you. <clears throat> Jesus, you see everybody in this room. You see every hand that was raised. You see every student in here that 
maybe making a decision right now to follow you and all they have to do to do that is simply believe that you're real. Believe that you died on the cross and rose again three days later. But God, sometimes life just doesn't seem fair. It doesn't. Sometimes, God, it's hard for us to see what your plan is. And so would you help us, God, would you give us some clarity? Like we're going to talk about next week, would you show up in our lives in a way that we can't deny? Uh, And give us the strength to keep walking in the mundane, to keep walking in the day-to-day life, to keep knowing that your plans are better than ours and that you've got a purpose for our life. And so, God, help us to remember Romans 8, 28. And it says, and we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So we lift you up tonight. Thank you for an awesome week one of this new series. And we're praying for that the, the many weeks ahead are going to be f- fruitful and, and, uh, and, and good for us. And so, God, we give you all the praise and all the glory. And everybody said with a big, loud... Yeah.